Today's New Testament reading, James doesn't have a lot of positive things to say about the tongue, does he? Let's go back over it for just a second before I I go into my sermon, but here's what he says briefly. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species, but no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. If James is right, we could probably understand why some people choose to take a vow of silence for life. There are evil things that can come out of our mouths, some of them by intention, some of them not by intention. But an untamed tongue has the ability to cause more destruction than just about any force on earth. If you think about it, not just the tongue itself, but words in general, what are the things that very often actually end up leading to war? The rhetoric, words that we use, the words that other rulers of nations use that end up moving things progressively more and more steadily toward war. Even more closely, when we look at the home, what are some of the things we say to each other? And do these build up or do they destroy? Well, if James is right, and I think we're, we have to read James in context, he's not saying the tongue can never be used for anything good, but very, very often it is used for evil. We use it to destroy love. We sometimes use it to destroy the reputations of other people. Perhaps it's been our own reputation that has been destroyed by the tongue of someone else. And perhaps we've been someone who has received hurtful words from other people. Well, there are a number of ways that the tongue can become a consuming fire, ravaging the landscape like a wildfire goes through brush. And there are two ways in particular I want to talk about today. But I don't want to just leave you with the things that the tongue does in a negative sense. I want us to realize that there is good that can come from the tongue as well. The same tongue, the same person who speaks words that tear down and destroy can also speak words of life and love and can create life and love. But to begin, let's start with how the tongue tears down. There are really two ways that the tongue can tear down. And the first comes from a bitter disposition. The tongue really just gives evidence of what's in our hearts. So when we think about something we've said about someone, we think about the evil, the bitterness, sort of the verbal gall that we sometimes spew forth, it comes because we have something in ourselves that's not so good. And what often results is we end up saying things even to the people that we love most, perhaps more often the people we love most because of what's happening in here. How many of you have experienced it that when you're at work or when you're around friends, you're around people that aren't your immediate family, it's really easy to put on the nice face. But when you're at home, around family, sometimes the not-so-good things come out. Because we're familiar with them. We're comfortable. We can let our hearts down. We can let our guard down. And the real person comes out then. 
Anybody can wear a mask for a little while. I could stand up here and wear a mask for 20 minutes, half hour, whatever it is, show you the bright, shiny face. But what really matters is what's happening when I get home, when I'm around people that I'm not wearing the mask with. Very often what happens is the true disposition of our hearts comes out. And it's not pretty. And the things we say are hurtful. Things we say, like James talks about, become a consuming fire that destroys, creates havoc. Not just in the home, of course. We can use our tongues outside the home as well. We can gossip about others, destroy reputations, slander, speak poorly of others when Christ has told us to speak highly of others. So the tongue can, in that scenario, through bitterness, through anger, create death. If you think about what an evil word is, it's nothing more than death. It takes a good gift language, the ability to speak, our words. And evil clings to that gift, turns it, and makes it something evil. That's the sermon everybody always hears, right? Say nice things. Don't say mean things. And we know we should do that. But there's another way that we can use the tongue that doesn't have as much to do with bitterness. It has to do with deceitfulness, and it's not always intentional. There's a story I read over the summer. Um, It wasn't the story itself. It was the synopsis of the story. Terrible way to read a book, but that's how it went. (laughs) Um, The author, it was was uh, an article written on Christian ethics. And in the article, the author was talking about love, how we perceive love, how we understand it in our culture today. Generally, the way we think of love is, if loving you makes me feel good, then that's love. If being in your presence makes me feel good, that's love. Well, that's not really love in the Christian sense. And the author extended this by giving a story. So I'll share that story with you today. A man and a woman grow up in the same town together. The man falls in love with the woman. But she doesn't reciprocate. He never says anything. He just kind of keeps it to himself. Never actually gets beyond what's inside of him. Well, she ends up marrying a person who he thinks is of no account. He doesn't like the guy. And he's constantly besieged with thoughts of, I could could have been so much better than this guy. Why did she go for him? And so he's angry and he's bitter and he's frustrated about it. And in his heart of hearts, he wants to tell this woman that he loves her. And one day, they're in the same room together, just a few other people. And he looks across the room, there she is, and he's left at a crossroads. I have a decision to make. I can either find a way to let this woman know that I love her, or I can turn away. Now, what's the ethical choice? You and I know right now, sitting here, what the ethical choice is, right? But when you're in the middle of it, what's the ethical choice? 
This is why scripture is so important to us. This is why the word of God matters to us. Because there are going to be times where we don't even mean to use our words to be destructive. We think we love, but we don't see clearly. Our desires are disordered. And so this man looks across the room at this woman that he does genuinely love. And he turns around. And he walks out. And he keeps it buried and he never says a word of it. He realized that this woman who had children, this woman who had a husband, he didn't want to be the author of their destruction. Every decision we make, every word we speak, every thought we should have, should have the cross of Jesus Christ imprinted upon it. And there will be times where we're not even desiring to say the wrong thing. Where we're not trying to hurt another person. Sometimes we feel we really need to say this in order for them to know how we feel. But the question we have to ask ourselves is the cross in it. Sometimes the culture lies. The culture would tell us, perhaps, that we should express how we feel about this individual. But God tells us no. Sometimes we have to allow it to stay here and bury it in prayer and carry the cross with Christ because it's better for this person, it's better for all people involved, and it ends up being better for me as well. So the question we ask ourselves is when I'm getting ready to say something, not just do I have an intent of malice or evil, but do the things I say, am I doing them for selfish reasons? Is my, are my words going to end up consuming others, even though they're not selfish words, or at least as I feel? Or are they going to create life? And this is where we transition. It's been my experience that most people stop at what we shouldn't say, how we shouldn't behave. But is that all there is to the Christian life? Is James right here? If we just take James in this context alone, and we never get at anything else in James, is James right? Should we just keep our mouth shut, never say anything? Or is there hope? I believe there's hope. And I believe that we can use our words well to build life, to create godly beauty in the world, among other people and among ourselves. And the first vision we get of God creating through words is in Genesis 1. Let there be light. Through God's words, he creates an entire universe, sets an entire thing in order, and it gets to us. Through words, God creates beauty. Through words, God creates new realities. And so if you and I are created in the image of God, does it stand to reason that we should be able to do the same? As God came down to flesh, He came to live among us in order to remind us that we can be transformed. That it's not just a matter of don't, it's a matter of 
You're different now. You're changed. I'm giving you life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about the word of God, that word that spoke existence, spoke, made existence a reality. John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And then later on, and the word became flesh. That is perhaps the most central passage to understanding the Christian life, I believe, to any passage in all of Scripture. The word, the eternal word, Jesus Christ, took on human flesh, lived among us, in order to show us that it's not just a matter of don't, It's a matter of you're connected to God now if you will just reach out and accept that. And you too can be transformed. Your words can become holy words. And your words can take on a different fire. I'm going to give you a second to think about this. Do you remember any other place in Scripture where people take on tongues of fire? Tongues of fire. James has just talked about one sort of tongue of fire. Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. The tongue of fire that destroys is transformed on the day of Pentecost as these people are receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit and they're receiving a new tongue of fire. It's a tongue that creates gospel realities. It's a tongue that would go into all the world, share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people of all nationalities and all tongues. Words that could destroy end up building life. Our tongues can be tongues of fire. We may not speak a different language when we use them, but they're words that can build, build as God has built. What does that look like for us to use our tongues in a way that builds up? Well, the most obvious way, if we're thinking in a gospel context, is rather than ruining or destroying the character of another person, we speak highly of them as Christ would have us to do. And not only that, we speak words to them that would build them up, that would remind them that they are a child of God and they deserve to be loved because God has loved them first. If God loves people enough to give them the gospel, if he loved the world enough to come to to earth in order to show us what earth can look like as it is in heaven, then who are we? To keep that from anybody. Who are we not to build people up and to share that same message with the rest of the world? So rather than tearing them down, rather than the slander and the gossip, we build them up and we share God's love with them. What does it look like in our relationships in the home? It looks the same way and boy, it's hard, isn't it? 
It's hard. You know, it's very easy to think about how the home should be, right? It should be you have all these people that are lovingly doting on one another. It's a place of peace and comfort and joy. But it can very easily turn into something that's not like that at all. It can very easily turn into a sarcastic place, a biting place, a place where I want what I want and I'm going to get it however I've got to get it. And everybody else just sort of becomes a hassle. You know, sometimes, all times, I think, actually, as Christians, we have to start our day praying that God would help us to see the good, to help us to see our families the way that he sees our families. I don't know about you, but my natural eyes don't see that. Naturally, you know what I love? I love work. I love work. And I think there are a lot of people who feel the same way, who love their jobs and almost start to see their family as in the way of those other things that we think we need to do. And I wonder what it would be like if instead of seeing our work or our hobbies or whatever else it might be as the main thing, if we began to see building our family up with words of peace and love and godliness to one another. The most beautiful family I have ever had the pleasure of being around, the Carter family. Matter of fact, I was talking about this the other day with my kids. And I remember one time, uh, I remember Ethan saying something to the effect of, um, in the Carter family, if you tell someone you love them, that's not good. Because what you need to say is you really, really love them. (laughs) And that's hard to latch on to sometimes. But you would walk in and you would have this sense of peace, but it was deliberate. The home became a sanctuary. And you had that sense when you walked in. You weren't to speak poorly of other people. You were to use words that lifted them up. You were to look at their talents and thank God for the talents they have. And the wonderful thing is this. It doesn't matter if your kids live at home with you anymore or not. You can start today deciding that you're going to use words. That your tongue of fire is going to start creating life with the kids that live in the home now or with the kids who perhaps live thousands of miles off Today is always the day when new realities start. Today is always the day that you get to decide to start living the gospel. And so my question to you this morning is this. What kind of tongue of fire do you want to have? Is it going to be the tongue of fire that James speaks of? The one that ravages and destroys? Or is it going to be the tongue of fire that we find in Acts? The tongue of fire in Acts is more difficult, but it is so worthwhile. My challenge to you this week, when you're tempted to speak with the tongue of fire that James speaks of, you remember this. You are a child of God, purchased through the blood of Christ, 
brought into his body through baptism, sustained through the Lord's Supper, nourished by his holy word. And don't you give in to that tongue of fire that James mentions. You instead give into prayer. Give yourself over to the Holy Spirit and allow your tongue of fire to create new life and love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you brought your Son to earth to live among us and to show us what it means to truly live with tongues of fire. Lord, help us to create life with the words we speak. Help us to create new positive realities. Allow us never to cling to the death that James speaks of this morning. Lord, as we pray each day, help us to glorify you. Help us to remember that we were purchased and that because we're a purchased people, we have the opportunity to transform this world for good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.